Hello, hello, and good evening. It's Friday, TGIF, and I'm very thankful to be here today. One piece, nothing out of the ordinary. Thank you. Welcome to the Urban Village, where the house party, old school house party, is alive and well. Well, I want to get right into it. A lot going on, stock market-wise, down again today. Dropped over 1,100 points yesterday. NASTEC, Dow Jones, everything is bad. Uh, interest rates went up to try to bring down inflation. However, the model they're using probably will do more harm than good. Raising the interest rate totally probably will drive us into a major recession. In lieu of everything, COVID and Ukraine, it's a lot going on. So their old models probably are useless. But nevertheless, I digress. And I want to talk about something that has not gotten a lot of attention after 75 days. And I guess public sentiment among particularly black people, black women, has brought this to light. 75 days in. This is the title of the New York Times. Griner. Now the U.S. wants to reclassify the WNBA star as being wrongfully detained. Take a listen. Brittany Griner should be with her teammates this week, preparing for the start of the new season. Instead, the seven-time All-Star Center for the Phoenix Mercury has been in Russian custody for 75 days. What's toughest on her family? People have to hear these things. You know, I, I just love her. About her every day, and I can't wait till she gets back here with us. Now, the U.S. government considers Griner, quote, wrongfully detained, a change in designation that means officials will no longer wait for her case to wind its way through Russian courts and will seek to negotiate her return. Danielle Gilbert, a professor at the U.S. Air Force Academy, has done extensive research on Americans in custody abroad. We don't know if the United States government thinks. Brittany Griner is a hostage, but we do know that the U.S. government has decided that there is something fishy about her case worthy of getting involved. The Mercury opened its preseason last week with almost no mention of Griner as her family tried to keep a low profile on advice of the State Department. Meantime, the WNBA announced Tuesday it will be putting her initials and number on every court league-wide, and her agent is keeping up public pressure, telling ESPN our expectation is that the White House do whatever is necessary to bring her home. I want to caution against too much optimism because these cases can take months, if not years. But the good news is that the U.S. government is now on it and that they have decided that her case is worthwhile for intervention of uh, some sort. Griner's team may have reason to hope after former U.S. Marine Trevor Reed, who had been in Russia for three years, was... Yes, Trevor Reed, who spent, oh my gosh, two decades at least on trumped-up charges, and his father advocated strongly, visited the White House several times. So, I don't know, you know. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, if the WNBA paid equitable wages 
and salary to their players that coincided with what NBA players received, Brittany Grimer would have never went to Russia. Stay tuned. I don't know, it just feels like it's open season all over again for black women. It's just really hard. Judge Jackson had to endure a Senate hearing that most people, most people just couldn't believe it. And for us as black women, for black people, it felt like those 1910, 1920 pictures that we see of black bodies and lynchings and town halls where they just felt like it's time to pick on one, not just anyone. And like I said, people clapped and cheered that she was sitting on the Supreme Court, but you have to wonder the brutalization that she went through What's it going to be like when she sits on that Supreme Court with those other judges? Was it really worth it? What Biden needs to do is to add more judges to the Supreme Court. He should do it on recess and just put him in. If he's really serious about something, because otherwise this was all for show. All for show. Show. All for show. Which brings me to Sunday night of this week, a debate for the next mayor of Los Angeles with Rick Caruso, Karen Bass, and Mike Fear, the city attorney, and two other uh, councilmen that sit on the Los Angeles City Council. She went to watch the debate, public debate. And, you know, it, it was really sad because, again, I'm going to say this, she went there in support of Karen Bass, council, or I should say congresswoman, congresswoman Karen Bass, whom she was putting her support behind, whom she had financially contributed to her campaign, whom she thought she had a relationship with. Well, police intervened and literally drug her out. It was a Fannie Lou Hamer moment. And it was so sad because she called out every single person there to intervene on her behalf and help. And you know what? No one, I repeat, not one of the candidates came to her aid. And I think that says a lot about Karen Bass, Congresswoman Karen Bass. If you couldn't act then, how can we expect you to act on our behalf as Mayor of the city of Los Angeles, will you be frozen like a deer in a headlight? Take a listen. Two news at six drama at the Lily mayoral debate before it even began. Hello, I'm Pat Harvey, a well known activist and professor, was dragged out of the debate. She spoke to CBS 2's Jeff Nguyen, and he joins us live from the scene of the debate, Cal State LA. Scott Moore on both sides of the story. Jeff? Well, Pat, the person who was removed from the debate is a Black Lives Matter leader who says she wasn't here to protest. Shame on you! Shame on you! Shame on you! Shame on you! 
People watched and recorded as campus police removed Dr. Melina Abdullah from the Cal State LA Student Union Sunday night at the start of the mayoral debate. Where are you taking her? Abdullah has been a professor here for 20 years. She says she wanted to attend the debate with her students, but she was told she needed a ticket. Were you disruptive? Were you antagonistic? I was literally sitting there waiting for the debate to start quietly. The university says this was not a public forum. Not a public forum, and it was broadcast and streamed live. The event was co-sponsored by the Pat Brown Institute for Public Affairs. Abdullah says it was the executive director who called police. Up until this moment, I call it Rafe Shone and Shine, my friend. Um, we've been uh, to lunches and dinners and breakfasts dozens and dozens of times. She says she called out to the candidates for help, some of whom she's known for 20 years. Nobody intervened, nobody lifted a finger or made a peep. Once the officers carried her outside, let her go. Let her walk out with dignity. People who were denied entry got between the professor and the officers. Many recorded video. If I, I can't really touch a police officer because if I do something, get physical, then I would be the one getting in trouble. Abdullah says LMU recently hosted a debate where there was a protest at the private university. Their students were never treated this way. In fact, even the protesters who were inside, they weren't treated this way. Then, when I thought, it just couldn't get like any more convoluted in terms of what was going on, somebody, someone leaked, and this has never happened in the history of the Supreme Court. There was a leak of a draft, and the draft was on the outcome of a case that was presented regarding Roe versus Wade, the woman's right to uh, an abortion. Well, in this, this outline, this draft, the opinion stated that uh, Roe v. Wade was illegal based on the Constitution and should be outlawed. Now remember, this is just a draft. However, is this is where it's going? Um, is this tied into the November 24th um, midterms? What's really going on? And moreover, moreover, it wasn't an accident. And anytime I hear Mitch McConnell say we need to find out, I know there's there's something rotten in Denmark. There's something rotten in Denmark. So there's been an investigation, an ongoing, don't know where it's going to go. But what I do know, that Roe v. Wade is not just about abortion. It opens up the door, the window, tears off the roof in terms of um, marriage equality, tears off the roof in terms of integration, tears off the roof in terms of segregation, bringing it back. It will take this country back. And that's what most people don't understand about it, which makes it so dangerous in this particular case. It is the beginning of us going backwards in time. So we really need to be aware of what's going on. Um, I never understood why Clarence Thomas's wife, who was involved in the January 6th affair, is still sitting on the Supreme Court. I, I don't understand it. 
there's so much, the integrity of the Supreme Court, it's now garbage because there's just so much wrongdoing. It's become a tool. It's not a place where you go seek justice, where justice is based on there being um, equality. No, it's blind and it's not just. So, you know, stay tuned on that too. I just want to kind of skip around. I, I got to make a joke. I have to have some humor, some levity, because it just is, it, it's just raining shit out there, you guys. It's just raining shit. And we're not, I mean, I think people are just so overwhelmed with just trying to live. We're not paying attention. And we really must pay attention. And that's the whole point of the urban village, to bring back that old school sense of community where it's not all algorithms and social media, where we talk about it, where we kind of gather on a Friday night to kind of work some things through, to talk and think about things and not be told, but in our trusted corners and not just, hey, let's just go somewhere and let's, you know, drink liquor or let's just go to the additional marijuana shop and get altered because all those things are designed to take you out of thinking and this is a time we really have to think you know 469 plus 10 479 years in this country we were in bondage but there was always a dream and the hope of the slave meaning that there would be freedom and we have to be careful that we're not taking and standing on the bones and the the backs and the shoulders of our ancestors who never ever could see freedom. And now because we think we have some things, what do they call it? What do the kids call it? Being ghetto rich, that it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. We're thinking, you know, what you need to understand is in the late 1800s, early 1900s, even through the 1960s and 70s, there were still incidents of people who were still being enslaved, still being enslaved. So this is not something that is just so foreign that we don't have memory. We have to remember that every cell in our body has memory and that we're not acting upon those things. We're not being careful. We're not being cautious. We're being overwhelmed and desensitized to our fate, to our plight. And that we still have time to make a difference. We're going to give up all our rights and our abilities to make a difference. And then what? And then what? You know, there's a lot at play. So please, you know, we have to remember our village. We have to go back to that old school way of thinking, of being, of supporting, of loving each other. So that we have somewhere to turn where we get knowledge to make good decisions. Because there are still people out there who are fighting, who are trying, but you know what? At some point, either you get shut down, you get compromised, or you get tired. And our goal is to keep those people going until the next generation appears. We have to do better. There's too much going on. It's way too much going on for us to sleep at the wheel on this way too much and we have people in positions of power now meaning they're running their businesses they're running empires and we have to do better we have to do better we have to decide 
how come we don't have um, how why do we have food deserts in any city in any community when we have the ability to set up our own reliable grocery stores and places in which we can get adequate and good nutrition we don't have to be dependent on the large Kroger and Amazon we, we, we can do better we can do better we have to value ourselves and create those networks and we have those people in place and we need to really go to them and say hey look hey look it, it's it's cool that you're the great you're a great basketball and athletic um, competitor it's cool that you make your own shows that you're moguls in music or in entertainment but you have to remember without us you wouldn't have been we have to do better we have to all do better from the top to the bottom we have to do better we really really do and you know it's one of those things I laugh about it but it's really not funny you know if you think about before integration before the 1965 um, Civil Rights Acts 1, 2 and the 1968 Civil Rights Act we were forced to live in a community together your doctors, attorneys, everyone down to just the person who was the street sweeper or the mechanic or whatever they may have been shine person, whatever it may have been, we lived in our communities with pride. And we all, you know, let's be clear, everybody wasn't legit. We had our people, you know, at the bottom that did their thing. But see, there was order, and they knew at the bottom. They knew those folks, you know, the ragamuffins, they knew they couldn't get too out of control because, you know what, they weren't going to mess it up for everybody. There was an order. But by the 1960s and 70s, that's why I thought Lorraine Hansberry, A Raisin in the Sun, is so important. Because it tells the story about what we saw and what was going to happen. She was so, that was a projection that we just missed. But anyway, when we started leaving our communities, and I talk about this in all of our communities, talk about what happened in Coima when we were able to move out and we went to Northridge and you know, we went other places. We left the people at the bottom behind. And they were waiting for their opportunity going, hmm, there's an opening. Now we get to run it our way. <laughs> and oh boy, look at the deals and the partnerships that they came up with. And even now, we're fighting against gentrification. And there's this move, stay in the community. Buy it back. Get it back. But the people in the community, they don't want you to do that. They like the chaos to a large degree. And you end up fighting them and they end up using the system against you, trying to make sure that you save the village. It's a very warped dynamic that we have to call out, identify, and move forward. You know, Dr. Melina Abdullah, she shouldn't be drug out of trying to watch a debate, something that is a right as a democratic process. And you know what? People weren't out, you know, out of the wild, just crazy screaming about that. You know what they were more concerned about? Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Dave Chappelle. Not that this woman was trying to fight for the soul of the city 
and she could have been killed. And then all the candidates on stage, a billionaire, a congresswoman, um, a city attorney, and two or three other city councilmen did nothing. But everybody, including the media, couldn't tell you enough times about Dave Chappelle. Something is wrong and we're missing it. We're really missing it. So that's it for tonight. Everybody stay well, be healthy as best we can. And oh, keep in mind that we're on our new third subvariant. Here we go for another round of COVID. And this particular subvariant is highly contagious. And as much as people say, oh, it, it, we're, getting, we're getting herd immunity and it's weaker, it's not. Hospitalizations are up. People are getting rapidly sick. So I want to encourage you all to stay safe. You know what? Wear your mask. Please, if you don't do anything else, if we would have masked, and you know, I kind of, I, I just don't get it. I remember President Biden saying to all those people who got their vaccines, you can take your mask off now. Who tells anyone anything that's legitimate? Anything that's legitimate. If we would have kept our mask on before we ran out and said, okay, open them, open the economy back up because it's always about money. Always about money. We might be in a different place right now, but here we go. So the lesson that I've learned, that science has learned, is that regardless of what's going on, keep that mask on. Be safe. And remember, in closing, the story is never told. I mean, it is never told until the lion is a storyteller and the hunter is not. This has been a brown bear, Reggie Valens, Patrick Bolden, Don Carter, Karen Bennett, and my bevy, Bev Riley production. Want to get something that makes you feel happy again? That makes you remember the village? Claretta Street by Colette Barris in bookstores everywhere. to